Welcome to session two of the Kingdom Essential Growth Group that is taking place on Sunday mornings, 8.30 to 9.30 at Second Baptist Church in the adult classroom. And before we get started, I want just to reference that uh, below in the post here for uh, this recording, you're going to see the scripture verses that we'll be reading during uh, this session. And also there's, there's two images, one um, of the... Uh, showing the Jewish expectations of the kingdom of God coming, and the other one uh, with uh, showing the already and not yet as Jesus comes, um, uh, giving us a new perspective of the the kingdom of God. And so uh, those I'll be referencing during this recording, so you can look at those, you can download those ahead of time, or just you look at those in the post as as we're uh, going through the recording. Um, and before we get started on what we're going to talk about this week, I want to do a review of some of the things we talked about uh, uh, last week it's to make the connection between uh, last week and this week. It's really one uh, uh, continuous flow between both sessions, and it'll help make sense of this session if, if, you, were, if you didn't uh, listen in on, on last week. So, or you can go back and listen to, to session one. Uh, that's also available for you to listen to uh, to, to get an idea uh, and helpful, helpful understanding of what, we're, what I'll be talking about today. Um, and as I, as I, this, is, this happens on Sunday morning, 8.30, 9.30, there's a group meets there as a growth group. And what I'll be doing is uh, recording each session after the Sunday session during the week for those that did not be, were not able to make the session in place or are will, wanting to listen to this uh, and not make the, any of them at all. So it's just available for people as, as a church. And so we'll start off with Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 14 through 15. And we read that last week a couple times. We're going to read it a couple times this week too. Um, But well, let's read it right now. It says, starting in verse 14, it says, Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The question we talked about today is, is what does what does Jesus say the gospel of God is here in this couple of verses? And and Jesus says that the, the gospel of God is that the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, or God's right to rule, as we talked about, because uh, is, is come upon you is because when we talked about last week when we, when we see the the phrase the kingdom of God there is a at the time there, a, a herald would come out and say hey, there's a new ruler he say hear hear the good news hear the gospel there's a new ruler in town whether it's uh, King Herod or, or another king or another uh, person put in charge he's saying that that person now has a right to rule they're 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 now kingdom and so here. Jesus comes saying the kingdom of God. He's saying God's right to rule is here now and you need to submit to him. And so uh, the Jewish people and the Romans would have heard that as Jesus is speaking it, saying the gospel, the good news right now, there's the kingdom itself means God uh, means right to rule. So he's saying the, God's right to rule has shown up. And that's what he's saying is the gospel of God. Now, as the Jews are hearing this, they're, they're hearing, and they, they have certain expectations. And this is where you can look at that image that, that talks about the, the Jewish expectation of the kingdom of God coming. And it shows the, 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 the arrow, and you'll see going from left to right, and it shows this age, and the top arrow, the other arrow showing the age to come, and then there's an arrow, arrow pointing down showing the coming of Christ and the resurrection. 
And the Jewish expectation, they as they were they from the Old Testament, they had developed an expectation or hopes of of the kingdom coming. The prophets speaking and promising that at some point in the future, uh, the kingdom of God would come. And he saw that the age we lived in right now, that this time frame from from uh, creation until. Uh, they were living and right now even for us it's this age this current age that we live in and that word age means this a uh, time period and so they saw this they saw this time period and they had an expectation that when the kingdom of god comes when it would come in the future when the promise of god coming and his messiah would come there would be with his coming uh, the christ coming there would be the resurrection of the dead and at that same time they saw this age would come to an end. They saw this age as evil uh, and broken, and it would come to an end. And and then what would start would be the age to come. And with that, you could write next to that word, the age to come is the fullness of God's kingdom. And so they had this expectation at some point in the future, there would be a time that the Christ would come, a resurrection would happen, and then this current age we live in, and they saw it as evil, so this evil age would come to a close, and the age to come, which would be the fullness of God's kingdom, would begin. And that was their expectation there. So they're hearing Jesus say the kingdom of God has come near right now. It's The time is fulfilled. It's, it's time for it to happen. That's their expectation. The close of this age, the beginning of the next age. And, and, and the resurrection of the dead, but there was also certain. There's a couple other expectations they had with event. This event happened, and they saw it would have been at one one event coming together uh, with uh, in, in, in that event happening. There would have been uh, with the close of this age and beginning of the next. They would have saw that the Christ came and and that he would come and vanquish and end all evil, all human rebellion and sin. Once and for all, it would be done, never to happen again. And at the same time, that the Christ would bring salvation, which would include forgiveness, healing, liberation, resurrection, and the pouring out of God's Spirit and bringing eternal joy. And included with that is the Jews of Jesus' day we're expecting that that, that Messiah, would, that would mean he would come, he would crush and forcefully overthrow the occupying, oppressing, oppressing Romans and reestablish Israel as rulers over all. And so here's this expectation they have when Jesus is, is saying the kingdom of God is, is, um, is, is here, it's, it's times fulfilled. But the thing is, some things did happen of their expectations and some didn't. So, so salvation, Jesus says, is coming. It's, there's healing taking place. He's talking about your sins have been forgiven. Their, their deliverance from satanic oppression is happening. Um, and then Jesus himself is the beginning, the resurrection of the dead. And then the pouring out of the Spirit that happens after his ascension. And then at the same time is the age, the, the, this, this current age doesn't end. Evil still continues, it's, and you're wondering when is when is this Christ going to uh, end evil and crush the Romans? And so that doesn't happen. So evil continues on, and the Romans are still occupying the land, and they're still overruling the Jews. 
And so this was a bit confusing for the people, the Jewish people. So they're having those expectations. And we talked about that, 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 that expectation was one of, it was future. There was not something they could, they could be, have any benefit until it happened. So they were expecting sometime future. They had this insurance policy, this sense of security that in the future God was going to do this. Jesus comes talking about it, proclaiming it's happening. Some of it's happening, some of it's not happening. And they're trying to understand what's happening. Even John the Baptist is confused. And that's why we're going to read from chapter 11 of, of Matthew, 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 2 through 6. And we see even John the Baptist, who's, you know, Jesus called him the, is the, the greatest among them the, from the Old Testament. The, of the, of, and here, he doesn't fully understand either. So he's, then you know, let's read verse 2 from chapter 11. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one to come, or shall we look for another? So he, so he sends these disciples, John the, John the Baptist, to Christ to ask this question, Are you the one to who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answers him, answers them, says, You go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, Lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news preached to them. Blessed is one who is not offended by me. And so here we see John's confused by Jesus' proclamation the kingdom's coming. John has his expectations that the, the evil age is going to end. Rome is going to be crushed, and, and now the Jews would be brought back in power. Uh, the forgiveness, uh, uh, healing, deliverance, resurrection, liberation, and in specific liberation. John's in prison. He's expecting to be set free. And he's saying, Jesus, what's going on? He's, a, he's, a, he's a, I'm about to give my head for you. Are you the one? Have I made a mistake? So he, he's even questioning and so he doesn't understand that. See, Jesus brings a brand new perspective. It's it, and, and that perspective is what we call the already and the not yet. And now, if um, you, you, we, I showed you the first image of with uh, the uh, expectations, Jewish expectations of the coming king. Now that you can look at the other image that talks about the already and the not yet. And similar in regards to there's the the arrows going from left to right, um, and the one coming down that shows. Uh, you know, this age, evil age, is the lower one, and the age to come is the is the higher one. But now there's also added some uh, um, some verbiage that's there, uh, talking about some of the points that I'll be sharing here in a few minutes. And it's also these this dotted line now with the cross now uh, sitting on this age, uh, that that arrow going left to right. So looking at the image, let's just talk about this this, uh, this new perspective that Jesus. Uh, brings meaning that, that we, we come to call as the already and the not yet. And see, w- what we learn, there's some, some things we learn from the New Testament writers. First of all, there's, a, there's been a change. Jesus brings this new perspective. It's not going to be just a future thing where there's going to be one event where this age ends, the new age, to, or the age to come, which is also called the new age in the Old Testament, is going to begin, and that evil is ended, and the, the fullness of God's kingdom comes, and all those blessings that we mentioned earlier um, are, 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 are now uh, people are getting to enjoy. Now there's a new perspective. See, the kingdom has come. Jesus comes proclaiming. That top left one says the kingdom of God and the future age to come had broken in. 
And so that's, that's what happened. Jesus comes saying, the time has come. It, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's, it's come right now. And with that, the age to come, Jesus saying, has broken in into this, this time frame. And that shows the, the new era, the new starting point of the age to come is above the cross, got the dotted line going left to right that meets up to the line that's a solid line, age to come. So Jesus is saying the age to come has started. It's here. It's, it's broken into this age. And, and that, that's giving starting, that, that's starting at the time of Christ coming and his death and resurrection. Now let's read uh, the scripture verse that uh, from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 through 5. And in Hebrews chapter 6, 4 through 5, we have the, have the, the writer, the author of uh, this letter, uh, giving us uh, some input, some understanding of how they viewed the, what is now happening, that the kingdom has come, uh, and, the, and the age to come has broken into this age. And it says, uh, verse 4, For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted of the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come. And verse 6 goes into some other, uh, is the fin- finishing of that sentence. But my focus is on verse 4 and 5. Here, the writer here is telling us what Christ followers living in this age will experience. So here he's writing saying, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened. So here's those who have been enlightened. Those who are followers of Christ. They've tasted of the heavenly gift. They've shared in the Holy Spirit. They've tasted of the goodness of God or of the word of God and of the powers of the age to come. So he's saying Christ followers in this age, living within this evil age. Now the kingdom of God has come and the future age has broken in. And because of that, we get to experience something of the fullness, not not the fullness, something of some measure of the of the kingdom of God, and with that, I, I, just pointing out that the major one I want us to, to think about and see is the, the powers of the age to come. See the powers, the things that were previously exclusively reserved for the future, when the age to come would would would, would come after the end of this age. He's saying that there's something that's happened. Because of Jesus' coming and his death and resurrection that's allowed for those things that were thought to be exclusively in the future age have now become present right now within this evil age. And the God of this age, the, he's, still, he's still actively at work. He's, so he's saying, he says, there's something that's happened. We, we, are, we as believers get to experience a measure. We need to get to experience and enjoy a measure of, of the life and the blessings of the kingdom of God before this age, this current evil age, ends. We get to experience a measure of the kingdom of God that's reserved for the future. See, we still look forward to the fullness of the kingdom of God coming when Jesus comes, the second coming. As you see in the bottom here, there's a first coming and there's going to be a second coming where the previous expectation of the Jewish people, they saw it as one event. But Jesus comes his first time. He's, he's now ascended. He's going to be coming a second time. He's promised that. At that point, there's the fullness of the kingdoms going to come. So we still look forward to that. But here the writer tells us in Hebrews that we are going to, while we're still living in this age, 
and, and Satan, the God of this age, is still actively at work. We're going, we can experience and enjoy a measure of the life of the blessings of the kingdom of uh, uh, excuse me, of blessings of the kingdom of God before this before the end of this age. So we get to experience some of the powers of the age to come. See the, so with that we, we understand now that the, the kingdom of God is not. The kingdom of God is not something that's just a promise, something that's something just future for us to hold on to as an insurance policy. No, it's a reality for us to experience right now within this age. And so what we see is Jesus in his coming, in his death and his resurrection, he's saying, and he says the kingdom of God is coming. He says now the, the current evil age is going to continue on in the age to come now is started, and the two ages are going to coexist until Jesus' second coming, which at that time, the evil age will come to an end, and the fullness of God's kingdom will begin. That's the where the dotted lines are, the dashed lines showing the age to come started at the cross and the resurrection. So it's here already. But also the, this age is, is moving along. They're, they're coexisting until Christ returns again. So you can think of it as we are people of two ages. And so we, are, we, are, we live within this evil age, but we're also now living and participating and experiencing a, a measure of the age to come. And so that's why we, we, we pray for healing. We're praying that God's God, the powers of the age to come would break in in that moment and change someone's life and bring healing and set them free. And so there's these two other extremes. So we, we have the already and not yet, what we, which we, we uh, uh, see Jesus presenting. And then there's the extreme that there's no kingdom uh, at all right now. That nothing of the, of the age to come is here right now. And so we don't pray for healing. We don't pray for God's intervention. And then there's the other extreme, is it's all kingdom. That the kingdom of God has come in its fullness already. And we should expect everything to be just like the fullness of God's kingdom. And those two extremes are not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about here we are living in this evil age. Evil still going on, still broken as sickness. And at the same time, the age to come has broken in. And a measure of that we can experience and enjoy right now. Not the fullness of it. We still expect and look forward to that in the future. The fullness of that. But right now, we get to experience. That's why we pray for healing. That the kingdom would break in. And it does at times. And sometimes it doesn't. And that's a, a struggle for us to... to, to uh, as we we want and we expect expect and we see and understand that with the kingdom of God and the age to come, there is going to be no longer any sickness. And we look for that and we hope for that and we know that's a possibility. So we ask for it. But at the same time, it may not come in this age. Now let's look at the next scripture. Um, is First uh, Corinthians uh, 15, verse 22 through 26. And, um, and uh, let's read that. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule, every authority and power. For he, Christ, must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet, the last enemy to be destroyed, is death. See, part of the hope or the expectation of the coming age was the resurrection. And how do we know there's going to be a resurrection of those belonging to Jesus? 
We know here, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, Christ is the first fruits. So our hope uh, of a resurrection in the future is anchored in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus was the first fruits, and it signaled the beginning of of that resurrection. So the resurrection that the the Jewish people hoped for at the the age to come coming started with Jesus' resurrection never to die again. So sometimes like we see Jesus rising, raising Lazarus from the dead, but that's not the same as the resurrection of Jesus, who no more to ever die. And what's going to happen for us when we are raised from the dead, never to die again. See, Lazarus was raised from this. So he was resuscitated, basically, and he lived for a season and died again. The same thing with the widow at Nain. Her son is raised from the dead, given back to her, but at some point he's going to die again. And so here the resurrection has started in Jesus. His resurrection is the very reason we know there will one day be a full resurrection of all the dead and that we will be raised in the likeness of Christ. See, Christ's resurrection uh, is an eschatological event. If you look at the, you see the cross on that, that uh, image, the diagram I, uh, we, I, I have been referencing, it is it, this this his resurrection is an end time event. See that resurrection was supposed to happen when the age to come, this age ends and the new age starts. But see, it, it's it's an end time. It's come in the middle of this history, this moment, this within this current age, in the midst of this evil age. It started. This is the first stage of the resurrection, and next will be those that are in Christ when He comes back. And so the other question would be, how do we know that the age to come has actually started like I'm talking about? The age to come has already started because the resurrection has already begun in Jesus. This means that we're living on the heavenward side of the resurrection. And those of us as believers, we're already living in the new age. We're not, it's not in its fullness. Not, and when I say new age, just get, understand uh, the Old Testament calls the age to come, also calls it the new age. It's, I'm not talking about the new age and new age stuff that's, that's spirituality. I'm talking about the, the, the understanding that, that that reference meaning the age to come. And so with that, we're living within two ages. We're living within this evil age that started at, in, uh, in Genesis, in creation. And we're also living in part in the age to come. Because Jesus' resurrection started, we're already on that side of it. So Jesus, just think of this, Jesus did not die and rise from the dead to just to get us into heaven someday, but to get heaven in us. See, to taste the powers of the age to come while still in this age. This is one of the benefits of being a follower of Jesus. We're getting to experience the reality of heaven even now. And our hopes of the fullness of it coming comes from this taste of the powers of the age to come even while we live in this age. Now let's read from Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse uh, four, uh, 4 through 7. We're going to read in, in chapter 2, and it's on that list of scriptures down below. Uh, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated he had seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace 
in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Here, Paul's writing to the church and telling you, you've been saved by grace. You've been made alive with Christ. You've already, you already have the eternal life right now in Christ. And by grace, you've been saved and you've been raised up and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So here, in reference to tying into what I've been saying, is, 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 is a reality. We're already living on the heavenward side of, of, of the resurrection. We're, we're connected with Christ. We're raised with him already by faith in Christ, with him, seated with him in heavenly places. Now, um, in verse, back to 1 Corinthians 15, 22 through 26, in verse 24 through 26, uh, what does Paul tell us Christ's purpose was? And, and what does uh, the gospel of the kingdom coming ultimately mean? Let's reread to verse 24 through 26. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule, every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. See, Christ's purpose was to destroy all of God's enemies. At the end of the age, the last enemy, death, is going to be destroyed. And this tells us that the kingdom of God ultimately means that the is the feet of all of God's enemies. Satan, sin, and death will be done away with. All of God's enemies and the fullness of God's reign will be here through Christ Jesus. So we talk about often that Jesus' purpose, what he came to do is give his life on the cross that in turn that we might have salvation and eternal life, right? And that's true. But also here Paul's saying it's more than that. The good news of the kingdom is that, that Jesus came and he has come to destroy every one of God's enemies, which are our enemies. And how do we know now the triumph of death has already begun? Jesus was raised from the dead never to die again. So we know that at some point, death will be destroyed completely by Jesus. And if you see on that, that diagram, I have the cross there. This, this is why the disciples, um, on the bottom left there, it says the current evil age is already doomed and passing away. See, that's why we should understand and see that this age is going to end. It's doomed. It's passing away because death has already been defeated to some degree in Christ rising from the dead. So we know it's going to be completed at some point when Christ returns. In Hebrews chapter 2, uh, verse 14 is the next, next scripture. Uh, we want to look at and read. And you'll see as we're going through these that I'll tie these all together as we come to a close, these different scriptures and different thoughts. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he, meaning Jesus, himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death Jesus, or he, he Jesus, might destroy the one who has power of death, that is the devil. So here he's saying is that Jesus took on flesh and blood, right? And that through his death, when he died on the cross, he would destroy the one who has power of death. That is the devil. Well, if Jesus destroyed Satan through his death, how can it be that Satan is still causing all kinds of trouble within this current age here? That's the question you may be looking at. Wait, that doesn't make sense. Well, it has to do with the word destroyed. Uh, the original Greek word here 
that's translated destroy does not necessarily mean to annihilate completely. It can mean it can mean to put out of action, to make something inoperative, to to limit something. And so here we see that um, Jesus is going Jesus in Jesus' death. He uh, he limited he he made inoperative uh, the enemy or, or Satan's power. And it says back in 1 Corinthians 15, 26, that, that Jesus, in the end, when the end comes, he will destroy any, every one of the enemies and every one of God's enemies, including death, sin, and Satan. So, so this, uh, this uh, what was accomplished in the destruction of Satan at Jesus' death, Jesus' death on the cross did something of which was a defeat to, to the devil. And in some real way, he's limited his power. We may look at it as he's bound him. He's uh, he's like he's he's put up, been put on a short leash of what he can do. And so the kingdom of God has invaded this present evil age, as we've talked about in the beginning. And there was this initial defeat of Satan at the cross, and there will be a complete defeat of Satan at the end of this age, as we read in First Corinthians fifteen twenty two and twenty six. And if you want to go look at Revelation chapter twenty verse seven through ten, it talks about when he is thrown into the lake of fire, and that that's that final defeat and destruction, complete annihilation of all, sin, Satan, and death. Well, let's look at Matthew, Matthew twelve, verse twenty eight through twenty nine. Read that here. But if it is by the Spirit of God, this is Jesus talking, and this is after he's been casting out demons and he's been accused by the religious leaders that he's casting out demons by Beelzebub, by the chief of demons. And Jesus is responding, and part of his response, he says, but if it's by the Spirit of God that I, I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. So what is Jesus saying here? First of all, he's saying, if I'm casting out demons, then you know God's right to rule has shown up. And God is here. And I am using, and I am God's using me to, to, to uh, cast out demons and so he's saying, but then he goes into saying, how can someone enter a strong man's house? So what's he referencing here? He's saying that the strong man is a reference to, to Satan. Satan's the strong man. And his house is this evil age. And the strong man's goods that are being plundered are demon-oppressed and enslaved men and women. And Jesus is saying, I've entered the strong man's house. I've entered Satan's house. I've entered this evil age, and I have bound him. I have limited him. I have made him inoperative. And right now I'm plundering him of the men and women he had held captive. See, Jesus came to die on the cross, but for three years he came. And he came and he entered the strong man's house. Here, this is part of the kingdom of God coming to destroy God's enemies. That's what he's talking about in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, we read there. He's coming to destroy the enemies of God. And here he is the initial defeat of Satan. Is the binding of Satan means that God in his presence on the earth, when he proclaimed the gospel and he exercised authority among men, there was a defeat of Satan so that his power was broken and Satan was bound. Satan is a defeated enemy. 
And as you read the Gospels, you see there's this constant kingdom clash, this, this kingdom conflict that's happening. There's power encounters where Jesus is healing people. He's casting out demons. He's cleansing the lepers. And he says back in Matthew 12, when I read that verse 28, it's by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons and the kingdom of God has come here. Now let's look at Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It's one of my favorite verses. It's about Jesus' ministry as he, as he, as he lived those three years prior to his death on a cross. And uh, here the writer of uh, uh, Acts, Luke, he, he, uh, he's, he's talking, he's actually quoting from uh, about Peter, uh, a reference. He says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Here's the ministry of Jesus. He shows up. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God. And he's going around doing good. The Holy Spirit's with him. The power of God is on him. God is with him. And he's setting free men and women. He's plundering the the devil's home. He's this age. He's setting men and women free. So also now let's look at uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 21 through 27. And the the question to think about as we read this is, how did the demons understand and respond to Jesus' proclamation to the kingdom of God coming when he was around? As he's doing, he's coming around proclaiming the kingdom of God has come near. Let's let's read Mark 1, 21 through 27. We'll see uh, how demons respond and what do they understand about Jesus? Verse 21 says, And they went into Capernaum, and this is Jesus and the disciples. Immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching. And he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Here's the question. How did the demons understand and respond to Jesus' proclamation the kingdom of God came. They know exactly who he is. The people are wondering, who is this guy? What's going on here? But see, the spirits, the demons, Satan and the demons, they knew who Jesus was, and they understood what he was there for, to destroy them. And other times, there's another, I forget the scripture verse, they asked the question, are you here to destroy us before the time? See, they understand it's not time yet, but they also understand he, he's there, and he's there to destroy them. He's, he's there to limit their power and to make them inoperative. And he sets men free. This man here sets them free. He plunders Satan's house. And you know what? It's not just Jesus doing this. Jesus sends out the 12 disciples. We can read it in the, in, the, in the Gospels. And he sends them out. And part of what he sends them out to do is go, go proclaiming the kingdom of God, heal the sick, cast out demons. He then gives them, he transfers authority to them for them to be able to 
plunder Satan's household and free men and women from his being oppressed by demonics, uh, uh, demons, and, and his minions. And also uh, in Luke chapter 10, then Jesus sends out 72 to do the same thing. Proclaim the kingdom, heal the sick, cast out demons. And they come back, and we're going to read in verse chapter 17, excuse me, chapter 10 of Luke, verse 17 through 20. It's the 20, it's the 72 returning. It says, the 72 returning with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So they come back, they're surprised that demons are subject to them, and they respond to them just like they did to Jesus. And Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning in heaven. See, he's seeing in in the ministry of the 12 and the 72, and I think even off to what we see now as a church here, that through us, we carry on that same ministry. See, Jesus has bound the strong man, and he came and modeled for that three years that the purpose, what we're called to do, is set men and women free from oppression from the enemy. And the enemy being not other men and women, but the, but the devil himself and his and different demons. And these, these 12 early disciples and these 72, they went out and did it. And that's what we're called to do also. So now let's look back at Mark chapter 1, verse 14 through 15, which we read to start off with as part of the review. And I want to read it again. And it says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So we see Jesus, he came like a herald with the gospel, a good news, proclaiming specifically that the kingdom of God, or God's right to rule, had come. And those hearing Jesus would have known that Jesus was talking about a person, not about a person, but about God himself, had come as the new ruler, and all would have to submit to him. See, the Jewish people, they had some expectations, as I mentioned earlier, that that meant that God had come to destroy all of their enemies, which for them would have been the Romans. But Jesus was not there to destroy the Romans. He was there to destroy the true enemy of all humanity, Satan himself, who is the God of this world. If you look back at Genesis, we're going to read the scripture from Genesis chapter 3. And see, God back then gave Adam, when he created the heavens and the earth, he created Adam, he gave him authority over the earth. And then Satan comes and usurps that authority from Adam. And now Jesus, who's God's champion, he's come as the last Adam to destroy Satan and to free all humanity and all creation to reestablish God's rule that Satan had usurped from the first Adam. This is part of the understanding of the kingdom of God coming. This is the gospel of God. The kingdom of God was coming to reestablish God's rule. And Jesus came with the authority to right that wrong that happened in the garden and give back authority to man or Adam or humanity. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, here is the initial promise that God gives that he was going to recover what was lost. 
And so this is where he's uh, Adam and Eve has sinned, and and, and God is pronouncing uh, what is going to happen as a result of that sin. And here he's speaking specifically to Satan or the snake. And he says in verse 15 of chapter 3 in Genesis chapter 3, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Some some translations even say he shall crush your head. So here's God's making this promise. He's going to send an offspring of the woman. And that's Jesus who's going to come at some point and crush and destroy Satan. He may bite and, and bruise the heel of this Savior, but he is going to bruise Satan's head or the snake. He was going to destroy him. So when Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom, see it as this, that he was like he was throwing down the gauntlet. He's telling the enemy Satan, I'm here now. I've come for you. It's a declaration of war on Jesus' part. Jesus is invading the enemy territory where the enemy has been entrenched for many years. Now, last week I mentioned when you, when you read the Gospels, um, and you see the word or the phrase, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, is to think of it as God's right to rule. So like if you're reading a parable, you know, uh, the kingdom of God is like a treasure. You can re- read it as God's right to rule is like a treasure. So you start to understand what Jesus is saying is that perspective. And you start to understand, too, with what we've been talking about the last two sessions is, is God's coming to defeat his enemies now. And here, this, here's another way as you read the Gospels and, uh, and the good news about the kingdom coming as you read the Gospels. You can see, look at it like, a, is Jesus like a Roman general? See, a Roman general, general would come in and he'd invade, invade a different town, the next town, and he'd come with this good news about a new rule and he would drive out the enemy forces. And then he would start recruiting and conscripting local militia into his army to join him and he would arm him for the mission. So see, look at Jesus like he's like this Roman general who comes into this town and he comes declaring there's a new ruler. God is here. He's a liberator and he's here. And then he drives out the enemy and he frees the oppressed. And then he conscripts people calling them, follow me, join me and be a part of this invasion force. And you see him, the sending out of the 12 and the 72, he equips him with the authority, those to do the same thing Jesus is doing. And see, first of all, I want to make note here uh, of this, uh, that when I'm saying Jesus is driving out the enemy here, I do not mean people. He's not like a, a human general who's after people or governments and trying to overthrow governments and people as an enemy. Because that's what the Jews expected with what he, that G, the Messiah would do with the Roman government. And Jesus did not come to that. That who was that is not who was uh, Jesus' enemies. As we've been reading, the enemies of God are sin, Satan, and death. And so. Just to make note here, I, I want no one to think that I'm talking about people or governments or the enemy God's after and that we're supposed to be after. Our battle is not with flesh and blood. It's with principalities and powers in heavenly places, Satan, demons, death, and sin. And 
I just want to make sure we understand that, that when he's calling us to join him and be part of his invasion force, it's to step into the enemy's territory and bring freedom to men and women. And that's what we're called to do. And so Jesus didn't come to kill or destroy people or governments, but spiritual demonic forces of of evil at the time he came. And he's to destroy the enemy of humanity, meaning Satan and his many minions. And our battle is not with flesh and blood. And he's still doing that today through those who know who they are in Christ and are a part of his kingdom and a part of his invasion force. We start off in Matthew chapter 1, verse 14 through 15, where we ask the question, what is the gospel of God? That the good news is the kingdom of God has come. Well, what is the good news of the kingdom, and what does it mean for us right now? For us, as who I'm me talking and you listening. What does it mean for us right now? See, God's kingdom has come, and the conquest of his enemies has begun. The kingdom of God has invaded Satan's home or this pre- present evil age. And Satan has been bound and limited, and has been cast down from his position of authority. And with that, we've get, we get to enjoy some of the blessings of the future age, as we talk about the goodness of the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and, and, and we get to taste of the powers of the age to come. We get to experience and enjoy a measure of the fullness of the kingdom right now. Not the fullness of it all. It's not going to happen yet. That doesn't mean we get to enjoy the fullness. That comes when Christ returns. But we get to enjoy and experience a measure of that even now while we live in this evil age as we've been been delivered from from this evil age. We understand that the evil age, this current age, continues to go on. But we also know this, that the powers of the age to come have broken into this age and have been made available today. To most people, it appears that the world has not really changed and that the kingdom of Satan has not been shaken, but the kingdom of God has come among men. And to those who receive it, like you and I, will be prepared to enter the kingdom when Christ comes to finish the work he's already started. So ultimately, the good news of the kingdom of God means the complete defeat of every one of God's enemies. And that's not men and governments. It means that Christ will reign until all his enemies are put under his feet. The good news is that the kingdom of God has come near. Jesus came with the kingdom of God and was delivering and setting at liberty those who were held captive and oppressed by the minion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. So the gospel message of Jesus is still the same today. It hasn't changed. The rule of God has come near to you. You who are listening to me, the rule of God, maybe you don't, you've don't. you never experienced that, but the rule of God has come near. God's right to rule has come. And you can come out from under the dominion of darkness and from under the rule of the enemy, Satan, and you can enter into the kingdom of God today saying yes to Jesus, saying, I will follow you, Jesus, and recognizing him as the Messiah. And I pray that you would do that today. And be blessed.